Good morning, family. Hope everybody's doing well today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. <clears throat> I was tempted to uh, just dress casual. Uh, as I was going over my notes last night, I saw my mother's picture in my Bible. I keep it in my Bible. And I saw her picture, and I could hear her words. What are you doing looking like that? So, <laughs> so I said, let me go on and, uh, and put on my suit uh, and look more presentable. Uh, and it, it's kind of ironic that I always reflect back and remember things that, uh, that my mom told me that was very important. And today we're going to look back at some things in Scripture that I think are very important uh, as we continue in step with uh, what's in your hands. Uh, and I'm not talking about that cheeseburger you had last night or that steak the other night that you had, but what's in your hands. I must confess this morning that um, as I was on my way to get my brother, I was speeding, really going fast, probably about 80 miles an hour. I was behind. Uh, yeah, I know how you're looking at me, but you were... The, <laughs> Yeah, he without sin cast the first stone. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that about Jesus. Jesus always went back to Scripture whenever Satan tried to tempt him. So I'm going to throw Scripture at you guys this morning. So don't look at me like, man, he's a sinner. No, where's your stones? Where's your sin? As we get into our lesson uh, what I want to look at, I want to look at three things in Scripture this morning. First, I want to look at our, our benefits. I just want to remind you as children of God, as Christians, as believers in the faith, we have certain benefits that are given to us as Christians. Now, with those benefits come responsibility. We also have a duty as Christians it, with, those, with those benefits, it comes duty. There's some things that you have to do. It's not negotiable. These things must be done. And with that also, what's in your hand is protection. We got a lot to cover this morning. Uh, as we were getting ready and, and preparing in the room back there, and, and Kent told me that uh, they thought about putting a trap door right here that, that is on a timer for 30 minutes. And so... I said to myself, well, I'll just move the podium over here. <laughs> and when the trap door go, it'll just be empty. But anyway, as we get into our lesson, I just want to let you know that there are so many wonderful and needful instructions given to us in the letters of the New Testament that comprise the teaching that relates to the benefits of the believer, relates to the duty of the believer, relates to the protection of the believer, and the Christian ministry, that is good to go back sometime and refresh. And it's good for us as Christians to always go back in Scripture to refresh what our benefits is, what we have inherited, what our duties are as children of God, as Christians, as servants, as Paul said, as teachers, and what our protection is. We are in a war. This world is not going to get any better. We are morally going downhill. We are like a sinking ship without a rudder. We are morally going downhill at an alarming rate. And so we must realize 
what's in our hand as Christians. We have benefits. We have a duty. We have protection. Let's get into it. Turning your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to try to go through this really quick. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, and I told those guys that if, if uh, during the course of the service, if you take more time doing your part, that gives me more time to stand up here and speak. So y'all can blame them if we go over. Okay? And I love y'all, and may the grace of God be with you. All right? All right. Let's get started. Let's look at benefits, Ephesians chapter 1 through 3. Paul begins by describing in chapter 1 through chapter 3 the contents of the Christian heavenly bank account or benefits. He describes it as the adoption that we have. Because we're children of God, we've been adopted. We are acceptance or have acceptance, redemption, forgiveness. We have wisdom, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, a citizenship, in short, every spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Paul also said that he has given us revelation in that all wisdom and insight has been made known to us, and that involves the mystery of his will, that which was formerly hidden and is now revealed. We are able through the revelation of scriptures to understand not only the past and the present, but the fullness of time. And the present, but the fullness of time, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth, we have obtained an eternal inheritance to which we have been predestined. Look at verse number 13 in chapter 1. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. We have a promise by the Holy Spirit that we are sealed with that promise. Heaven is going to be ours one day if we faint not. But we have to always dialogue and refresh ourselves with scriptures about our benefits, about our duty, about our protection. If we don't realize that, then we will fall by the wayside. Chapter 1, among the benefits and blessings of belonging to Christ, is that he is not only the head of all things, not only the head of all things given to the church as the head of the church, but he is over all demonic powers in this age, in the one to come. So we are told that the one who is the head of the church, the one who is our Lord and our Redeemer, our Savior, is also the one who has total power over the forces of hell. The God we serve has total power in heaven, on earth, and in hell. And that same power that raises Jesus, that's raised Jesus from the dead, we have that power residing in us through the Holy Spirit. We have benefits as Christians. We need to know what those benefits are. We need to know what those duties are. We need to know what the protection is. Say amen. amen. All right. I know somebody got an amen fan. There's one back there. I didn't bring it because I knew somebody would bring one. 
Look in verse 5 and 9 of chapter 2. And we're going to try to get through this real fast. I got a lot to cover. Chapter 2 describes the wonderful gifts of salvation with a reminder that we are dead in trespassing and sin, but we have been made alive in Christ. Verse 5 through 9. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. One of the benefits that has been extended to us is grace, the unmerited favor of God. It's not based on what we've done. Like I told you this morning, I was speeding. I was. I was sinning. And if there's traffic coming and I see somebody coming down the media, I block the media. I mean, that's just, I mean, come on. I'm sitting in traffic. I want you to sit with me. Okay. Amen. Yeah. But thanks be to God, we have that grace, that unmerited favor. We have that mercy. We have that forgiveness. And that tells you that God knows a lot about humankind. He knows that we're going to sin. He knows that we're going to fall short. But he said, let me impart this grace to you because you're going to need it. Let me show a little mercy because if I give you what you deserve, that's it. God extended grace and mercy. And with that grace and mercy comes peace of mind that we are forgiven as children of God. God is good. And all the time. And this is how the first three chapters go. All the blessings are defined. We are his workmanship. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created for the working of God. We are created for the working of God. As Christians, our duty is to serve. Our duty is to impart the word of God to lost souls. This is the whole duty of man. Chapter 3, Paul talks about the wonderful privilege that has been his to be a steward and to be a minister, even, even though he is the least of all saints. Look at chapter 3 in verse number 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints... This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus. Paul realized his past. Paul realized that he was a persecutor, that he was a murderer of Christians. But thanks be to the grace of God, 
Paul can teach and preach the word of God and know that he has been forgiven of anything that he has done because of the blood of the lamb. We've been redeemed. I love that song, I've been redeemed. I'm not going to sing it. I know you, you, yeah, if Patter was up here, he, he'd probably sing it. But anyway, we might get him to sing it at the close if y'all want to stick around, right? Verse number eight, Paul has been able to be the vehicle by which God reveals the glorious truth in the New Testament, which defines the infinite and eternal blessing. People, we have to be the vehicle by which the truth of God is spread. We have to be that vehicle. Like I said, the moral compass of this world is pointing straight down. And I don't think it would ever turn around. I think it's just going to get worse. And I'm not, uh, you might be looking, well, the glass is half full or half empty. I don't care how you swing it. The moral compass of this world is broken. And we have a duty and an obligation as children of God to snatch as many souls out of the hands of Satan as we possibly can before the sink, before the ship sinks. This is our duty. These chapters are all about what belongs to us because we belong to Christ. We have been granted from the riches of his glory everything we need. And we see this great closing doxology in the third chapter, verse number 20 through 21. Look at verse number 20 through 21 for me. This is some good stuff. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. That same power that raised Christ from the dead, that same power that spoke this world into existence, we have access to as children of God. We have access to it. We have to use it. We have to use it. Let's look at the duty part, Ephesians chapter 4. In chapter 4, we now move to the doctrinal section, to the practical section. We now move to the duty section. Since all this is true, since God had given you all this, this is your position in Christ. This is all that belongs to you because you belong to Christ. Here's what is then required of you. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. Let's look at that. And there's always a therefore, and I love Paul's letter. Paul's letters are always about becoming a more mature Christian. It's always about a deeper relationship. There's some rebukes in there too, and we need to hear those rebukes because sometimes, you know, our head gets so big and we put on those sunglasses and we can't see properly. So Paul throws some rebukes in there, but he also throws a lot of attaboys in there. And if you want to have a deep deeper relationship, if you want to become a more mature Christian, the letters of Paul, the prison letters of Paul, Paul's letter to the Philippian church was telling them, hey, look, you guys are doing good, but I want you to go deeper in your relationship with God. And the only way to go deeper in our relationship with God is to know who God is, to know what our benefits are, to know what our duties are. When you first got your job, the first thing you asked your soon-to-be employer was, what kind of benefits 
does the job offer? And that was really important for us to take the job. We want to know, first of all, what is our pay? Then we want to know, uh, well, is there a 401k? Is there health insurance? Is there a dental plan? And then the obvious, well, how many days do I get off if I've been here for five years? But benefits for the human in our jobs are so important that sometimes we don't take the job because the benefits are not what we need. There's not enough. But you have these benefits in the heavenlies from God, from Almighty God, from Jesus Christ, from the Father, from our Father. We have these benefits that points straight to heaven. These benefits are more important than the benefits of your job. They point straight to heaven. That's where we're trying to go. The duty. Verse 1 through 7. We are to walk in a way that is consistent with our calling. Let's finish that. Therefore, prisons of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ. We have that grace that we don't deserve. We have that mercy that God continues to give to us day after day. We've been redeemed. We've washed in the blood daily. Look at verse number 11 through 16 of chapter 4. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a per perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of, the, of Christ. Who is the head? Christ, from whom the whole body, now listen to this, this is very important. Jesus is telling us about truth. Paul's writing this letter to the Ephesians about truth, about direction, about duty. Listen to this verse right here. This brings it all together. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together by whatever joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body 
for the edifying of itself in love. I don't care if you're not a teacher. I don't care if you're not a preacher. I don't care if you're not an elder or a shepherd. But you are a part of the body. And the whole body edifies one another. The whole body lifts one another up. The whole body spurs one another on to good works. The whole body is needed. Just like your body. The ears can't say to the eyes, I have no need of you. If you don't have eyes, where's the seeing? If you don't have ears, where's the hearing? The whole body is necessary for the edifying of the church. This is our duty. We have to spread one another on. Verse 24, 20 through 24. If indeed you have heard him and have taught by him as the truth is Jesus, is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I love that. We were all baptized into Christ. We should have left that old man in the water. Like Paul said, I do what I don't want to do. Or I don't do what I need to do, and I do what I don't want to do. And that's the flesh. He's liking the flesh as a corpse that we drag around. But we are renewed by the Spirit of God. The more we dialogue in the Word, the more we realize what our benefits is, the more we realize what our duty is, the stronger the body becomes, the more that the spiritual body takes over that sinful nature of the flesh. And we are headed in the direction that we need to head in. It all works together once we realize what's in our hands. And I tell you, what's in your hand is more valuable than gold, more valuable than silver or or diamonds. It is more valuable than anything that you can attain in this world, whether it be your house, your car, your bank account, or whatever, What's in your hand? This little book is our map, is our guide, is our direction to eternal life with Jesus. That is the only way we will get there. But we've got to realize and understand not only what our benefits are, but what our duties are. We cannot be idle just sitting in the pew doing nothing and hear from Sunday to Sunday and that's it. We have to understand and realize what our duties are. They're in the word of God. They're in the scriptures. This is how you live because of what God has done for you in chapter 5. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself up for us. An offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Imitators of God. Now, we imitate a lot of people sometimes that we, we, we see in the, uh, on TV and actors and things like that. Uh, we may imitate some of our peers. But I tell you, the great Savior, Jesus Christ, is the best person to imitate. 
Jesus knew where he was going in his ministry. He had a direction. He had a focus. He had a timetable he wanted to get there. And he didn't let the apostles, and I love the apostles, simple men that did extraordinary things, he didn't let them, that their lack of understanding about what his cause was and what he was set out to do, he didn't let them stop him, even when they put their foot in the mouth. When he told them, look here, I'm getting ready to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be raised again. And Peter said, nah, nah, nah. Jesus said, get, be, get behind me, Satan. He stayed focused. We've got to be focused, Christians. We've got to be focused on our direction. You want heaven to be your home. You know where it's at. You know how to get there. You have instructions. You have a map. You have directions. Now, you don't have to use a GPS on your phone. What's in your hand? The GPS. The ultimate GPS is in our hand. Look at verse number 8 through 9 of chapter 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I love that. All goodness, all righteousness, and all truth. Everything is about truth. Everything is about righteousness. Everything is about goodness. And all this combination, you can't have one without the other. We need them all. Coming down to chapter 6, you have all this accumulation of details of living out our Christian life. Standards for unity, standards for life in the church, standards for ministry, standards for principles of purity, standards for fellowship, standards for witness. What the spirit-filled life looks like, a life controlled by the Spirit of God, if you will, under the dominating impulse of the Word of God. The word of God must dominate in our life. It must control, it must dictate, it must guide us. It must be our map to eternal life with Jesus. Paul is coming to the close of his epistle, addressing all the family of God. He makes a stern appeal to them as soldiers in Christ. Every true child of God soon learns that the Christian life is a warfare. The hosts of Satans are committed to hinder and obstruct, obstruct the work of Christ and to knock the individual soldier out of combat. The more effective a believer, y'all listen to this right here. Hear this. The more effective a believer is for the Lord, the more he will experience the savage attacks of the enemy. The devil does not waste his ammunition on normal Christians. In our own strength, we are no match for the devil. So the first preparatory command is that we should be continually strengthened in the Lord and in the boundless resources of his might. God's best soldiers are those who are conscious of their own weakness and ineffectiveness and who rely solely on him. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Our weakness commends itself to the power of his might. Chapter 6, Paul's letting us know that we as Christians, as believers, are in a war. 
and it's not going to be an easy walk. Walking is pretty easy for some people. But this particular walk is not going to be an easy walk. Satan is going to come after you, especially when you become more effective in the body of Christ, especially when the body is more edified because of what we're doing. Satan is going to come after us. He's going to shoot arrows. He's going to send people. He's going to send the world system at us. He's going to come at you pretty hard. The question is, are you ready? You know what your benefits are. You know what your duties are. Do you know what's available for your protection? Let's look at that. Chapter 6, verse number 10 says, Finally, my brother, and y'all need to look at this, pay attention to this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What that tells us is that we can't win this battle on our own. On our own. We don't have enough strength to do it. But if we be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, that same power that, Jesus, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to, to us. And you notice as, as believers, we've got to stay in God. Otherwise, we, we won't make it. When we rest in Christ, when we rest in God, our strength, our power is elevated to the point where Satan cannot touch us. We're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Let's move on. Verse 11. The second command is uh, concerned with the need of divine armor. The believer must put on the whole armor of God that he may be able to stand against the stratagems of the devil. It is necessary to be completely armed. One or two pieces will not do it. Nothing less than the whole panoply which God provides will keep us in, uh, invulnerable. The devil has various stratagems, discouragements, frustrations, confusions, moral failure, and doctrinal, doctrinal error. He knows our weakness points and aims for it. If he can't disable us by one method, he will try for another one. I want y'all to know, people, Satan is serious about snatching souls out of the hand of God. He is, and he been around long before we was around. And he is serious. He is well-educated, well-knowledgeable, and he has the means to make it difficult for us to stay in Christ. We've got to put on the full armor, not just one piece, not two pieces, but the full armor. In the Roman days, when the soldiers went to war, they put on a full armor. And Paul realizes this being changed to a soldier for so long. Paul recognized the importance of the soldier's armor. And he recognized what each piece of that armor did and the protection that it provided for the soldier in battle. And we are in a battle. And what's in your hand? The word of God. The spiritual armor is what Paul is talking about for the Christian. Not a physical helmet, not a physical sword, not a physical shield, but Paul is talking about the spiritual armor that prepares us and helps us to stay in the battle. You've got to have the whole armor on. The second piece is the breastplate of righteousness. Every believer is clothed with the righteousness of God. 
but he must also manifest integrity and uprightness in his personal life. Someone has said when a man is clothed in practical righteousness, he is impregnable. Words are no defense against uh, accusation, but a good life is. If our conscience is void of offense towards God and man, the devil has nothing to shoot at. David put on the breastplate of righteousness in Psalm chapter 7, 3 through 5. The Lord Jesus wore it at all times, according to Isaiah 59, 17. If it's good enough for God, it's good enough for us. Don't you think? Yeah. And he's saying, hey, look here. I had to put on that armor. Satan was attacking me and attacking me. And I was hungry, but he attacked me. And I came back at him with the word of God. And he moved on. That's what we have to do. The word of truth, the word of God has to be instilled in our heart. And when we are attacked by frustration, by guilt, by our peers, by these, we, we have these words in this book that's in our hands that we can go to. Now, you have to notice one thing about Jesus. Jesus used specific texts. It just wasn't random stuff. Jesus used the word for that situation. That's what we have to do. We've got to know the word of God for that situation. When that situation arises, what in scripture is going to help us get through it? What in scripture is going to protect us from the recourse or response to that situation? If we don't have a specific verse out of this book, it does us no good. When you are being attacked by Satan, whatever that attack is, we need to know exactly what word in God is going to protect us? Protection. God said, look here, I'm going to give you benefits. That's what's in your hand. Realize there comes a duty with those benefits. And that duty is to do, to go, to edify, to build up, to gain knowledge, to know truth. But then he says, okay, now that I did all this for you, I want to let you know that your walk is not going to be easy if you do not apply yourself. Your walk is not going to be easy if you don't get in the word of God. Your walk is not going to be easy if you don't put on the whole arm of God. Not just the head, I mean the, the, the helmet. Not just the shield or the sword, but the whole armor of God. The third piece in uh, chapter 6, verse 15. The soldier must have his feet sharded with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This suggests a readiness to go out with the good news of peace. And therefore an invasion into enemy territory. When we relax in our tents, we are in deadly peril. Our safety is to be found in the following and following the beautiful feet of the Savior on the mountains, bearing glad tidings and publishing peace. The whole armor of God. I'm looking at time. I need to hurry up or not. Y'all good? All right. This is good stuff now. The fourth piece, 
In addition, the soldier must take up the shield of faith so that when the fiery dots of the wicked one come zooming at him, they would hit the shield and fall harmlessly to the ground. Faith here is firm confidence in the Lord and in his word. When temptation burns, when circumstances are adverse, when doubts assail, when shipwreck threatens, faith looks up and says, I believe God. Can you do that? Repeat after me. I believe God. Say it like you mean it. God's listening. Amen. When Satan comes after you, when all these things inundate your mind, you look up and you say, I believe God. God has your back. He's made everything available to you to get through your walk with him. He showed you what your benefits are. He told you what your duty is. He's telling you what your protection is. The fifth piece, the helmet God provides is salvation. No matter how hot the battle, the Christian is not daunted. Since he knows the ultimate victory is sure, assurance of eventual deliverance preserves him from retreat or surrender. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I love that the victory is assured. It's already been won. All you have to do and I have to do is stay the course. If we stay the course, we already know what the outcome is. That's just like you driving your car. And you know you're almost out of gas. But you keep pushing your luck. You already know what the end result is, do you not? Amen? Yeah, you know what the end result is. You're going to be walking with a gas can trying to get some gas. We already know what the conclusion is. We already know what the end result is. We are assured of victory. All we have to do is continue to walk with the Lord hand in hand. See, God thought of everything. He prepared everything. He laid out everything. He said, all right, if they do this, I'm going to provide this. If they go here, I'm going to tell them, look, you're not supposed to be there. God has laid it out so clearly and so thoroughly, and he's already predicted every outcome and every situation that we may find ourselves in. And he's not going to, uh, we're not going to be tempted above that which we can handle. There's going to always be a way of escape. All we got to do is look. We've got to look. Chapter 6, verse 17. Finally, the soldier takes a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The classic illustration of this uh, is our Lord's use of the word uh, sword in his encounter with Satan. Three, three times he quoted the Word of God, not just random verses, but the appropriate verse which the Holy Spirit gave him for that occasion. The Word of God here does not mean the whole Bible but the particular portion of the Bible which best suits the occasion. See, there's words in this little book that fit the occasion and feel the need at that particular time. 
Jesus used words out of, out of scripture that fit his occasion when Satan was attempting him. There's words in this book. There are scriptures, verses, chapters that fit the occasion of the sin that you are dealing with. And Jesus laid it out for us. He said, all I want you to do is read my word. When you read it, when you study it, and when you know what truth is, when Satan comes after you, you can pull that truth out and say, hey, right there, you can do it. Finally, what I think is the final piece of the armor, and I love this, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Let's turn there. Everybody got your Bible? Turn there. Let me know when you get there by saying amen. amen. What would you say? Amen. All right. Ephesians 6, 18. This is really important. This is the epitome of power, the epitome of strength, the epitome of direction. This is what sustains us as Christians. Look what it says. Praying. The word praying. Always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And look what Paul says. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains that in it. I may speak boldly as I ought to. I think our final piece of this armor, of the believer's armor, of the believer's protection is prayer. If we're not in prayer, we're not talking to God. God is our Father. Our communication is through prayer with him. If we don't ask, we don't have. If we don't talk to the Father, we don't know who he is. God's waiting on you to respond. He's waiting on you to, to dialogue with him in prayer. 24-7, his line is always open. You can call him anytime. He won't be asleep. Trust me. He'll be up and ready for you. So I ask again, church, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Benefits as the believer is in your hand. That spiritual bank account that's provided for you in the heavenlies. Your duty as a Christian, that's what's in your hand. And your protection as a child of God. God has laid it out for us. For those who have yet to obey the gospel. If you're not a baptized believer in Christ, what's in your hand? Well, let me tell you. Death is in your hand. Burial is in your hand. A resurrection, if you so choose, would be in your hand. Redemption by the blood of the Lamb who died on the cross for your sins is in your hand. Salvation is in your hand. And adoption into the family of God as his son and joint heirs with Jesus Christ is in your hand. An inheritance not of this world. It won't fade away. 
an, in, an eternal inheritance is in your hand. A heavenly home is in your hand. What's in your hand, church? The holy word of God is in your hand. Opportunity is in your hand. As we close, may the shepherds come forward. We're going to close at this time. If you have need, if you need prayers, come forward. If you have not obeyed that form of doctrine, come forward. The water is ready. We'll take your confession and baptize you. Once you come, as together we stand.